You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. We're moving on from January 6th. Time to move on, right? Yeah. I've been saying this for only a day now. I focus too much on January 6th. Trying to say what really happened there, show that it wasn't the end of the world like so many on the left said. But the mistake I made was focusing too much on January 6th and not enough on November 3rd, 2020. It is legal, constitutional, and totally appropriate if you want to and I want to talk about the election in November and our concerns about whether or not it was fair, okay? There's a lot, a lot to go over and we have to because they can do it again, all right? I am concerned that the trickery that I know happened, at least in certain parts, in November of 2020 could happen again. And one other thing on January 6th, what happened that evening when they finally got down to the voting, going over the electoral uh, votes and objecting, that was perfectly perfectly legal. It was allowed. But, you know, the left and uh, everyone, the media, they have so stigmatized valid concerns about election fairness. And that's a problem. And, uh, you know, I'm not impressed with Merrick Garland, the attorney general, but I'm going to hold him to this. I can actually live with this. And I think you can, too. The department has been clear that expressing a political belief or ideology, no matter how vociferously, is not a crime. We do not investigate or prosecute people because of their views. Peacefully expressing a view or ideology, no matter how extreme, is protected by the First Amendment. But illegally threatening to harm or kill another person is not. I totally agree. Totally. By the way, I don't happen to think my views are extreme. If somebody else wants to, that's fine. I don't really care. As long as we're allowed to say what we want to say and think what we want to think. By the way, I hope he's issuing a similar type warning or warnings overall to the left because their reaction to January 6th, that's, I believe, the real danger. And others are weighing in. There's this uh, writer, Michael Goodwin from the New York Post. He put it this way. The left, they have gone so far as to equate opponents and critics of their agenda as enemies of the state, making their reaction a far greater danger to democracy than anything that happened on January 6th. I think he's right. I really do. And uh, it's okay. It's legal. I'm not going to worry about big tech or anybody else when I talk about the November 3rd, 2020 election, because if we don't talk about it, if we don't fully investigate it, there could be all kinds of trickery 
all over again. Hey, why hasn't there been a full investigation? Hmm? Well, Donald Trump is the aggrieved party. Donald Trump. Uh, who else is aggrieved? Well, the people who voted for him. The people. And they love Trump, as you know. These people are working class people. They have jobs. They're full time. Um, who's not on Trump's side? Well, of course, the media. Uh, they want to move on from Trump. They always have. And the swamp, uh, the government class, the beltway, they can't stand this guy. So Donald Trump has a very important constituency <laughs> and they're very powerful. The people, the people. But he doesn't have another important constituency and they're also very powerful, the swamp. See the, see the issue here, all right? The media, the swamp, they gave him the runaround on all these uh, concerns about the election. No, 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 move on, move on, move on. Swamp did not like this guy, in part because of the stuff that he accomplished. I mean, the stuff that we like, like meeting with the North Korean premier, Kim Jong-un. So when this meeting happened, uh, I thought it was great, but the swamp hated it. Bureaucrats, <laughs> this meeting was arranged by Donald Trump himself, not 1,500 uh, officials at the State Department. They hated that. They still hate that, but Donald Trump is not the first to work around the swamp to get something big done. When Richard Nixon did the greatest thing he ever did, which was open up China to the West, um, he did it directly. Uh, very few people knew about his plans to go to China. Uh, it had been in the works for about two years, I think. Uh, instead of going through the State Department, a guy named William Rogers, he kept him totally in the dark until the very last minute. He used Henry Kissinger, a guy who knew how to keep certain secrets, and uh, it worked very well. Again, they did not use the swamp. And speaking of Nixon, by the way, his birthday is this Sunday, January 9th. He would have been 100 and, I don't know, 20 years old or something like that. He became famous when he went after the swamp in a big way. He went after the swamp's favorite, a guy named Alger Hiss. This guy had harbored this, Yale that, a top official at the State Department. He was the epitome of the swamp. Well, somebody gave Nixon a tip that he was a, um, a Soviet spy. Nobody believed it. They really gave Nixon a hard time, but ultimately he was convicted of perjury and he went away to jail and they hated Nixon for it. They still hate Nixon actually for it, that he was able to take down one of their own. The swamp, they are so tough. They are so resistant to change and they hate a lot of the elected leaders. Henry Kissinger, by the way, interestingly, is a fan of Trump. <laughs> These guys get along very, very well. And you know who else likes Trump or did? Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was so impressed with Donald Trump's innate political skills. Decades ago, he was talking about Donald Trump as a future president of the United States. All right. So today we don't have Alger Hiss anymore. We still have the swamp. I say these guys are very Alger Hiss-like, all of them together, Comey, Strzok, Schiff, Page. Uh, this is the swamp, a little sliver of it, but they were very powerful. They did everything they could to trip up Trump. You know, January 6th was a big anniversary. What about January 5th? Five years ago, January 5th of 2017, Obama, Biden, Comey, other officials in the Oval Office, looks like they hatched a plot 
to trip up the incoming administration, particularly to get General Mike Flynn, the incoming national security advisor. Uh, Joe Biden himself was brainstorming with these guys about how to get Flynn. There are some notes taken by Strzok. Maybe we can get Flynn on the Logan Act. They were looking for ways to entrap incoming administration officials. Joe Biden, he knows this. No one ever calls him out on it. And when it, when it did happen that one time, everybody just kind of moved on real quick. But Joe was found out. So what did you know about those moves to investigate uh, Michael Flynn? And was there anything improper done? I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn, number one. Number two, this is all about diversion. This is a game this guy plays all the time. I do want to press that. You say you didn't know anything about it, but you were reported to be at a January 5th, 2017 meeting where you and the president were briefed on the FBI's plan to question Michael Flynn over those conversations he had with the Russian ambassador Kislyak. No, I thought you asked me whether or not I had anything to do with him being prosecuted. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I was aware that there was, that, there, that they asked for an investigation, but that's all I know about it. Busted, caught in a lie on live television, but hey, Democrat immunity, everybody just moved on. Um, a career politician like Joe Biden is not what the founding fathers had in mind. You were supposed to go to Washington for a short period of time. You know, all of those guys were skilled at something else. They were skilled farmers, lawyers. Um, they were part-time legislators when they put together the country. Kind of like, not Joe Biden, kind of like Donald Trump. Donald Trump had amazing skill, has amazing skill in something that does not have anything to do with government. This is actually the type of citizen statesman the founding fathers had in mind. You can look it up in the Federalist Papers, it's there. Donald Trump, much more traditional, much more in line with the Constitution than anybody in the swamp would have us think. All right, here's a riot between police and protesters. Well, since it didn't happen on January 6th, guess whose side the media was on? Yep, the protesters, and they were so against the cops. We'll show you next. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view, and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. All I can say... Is, is that, that the fake, fake news just, just doesn't, doesn't get it, do they? All right, this is a fake news classic, huh? January 6th, everybody, the fake news, suddenly they're in awe of the cops. Oh, the cops are great. The protesters are the worst people in the world. You know this is like the only day in history that's ever happened. Let's go to mid-May 2020, right by the White House. Big riot! Big riot. Take a look at this. They're getting in the cops' faces. This lasted for a couple of days, by the way. Um, now, the media are there. We put together something. 
How do you think they're going to portray this, huh? Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? Who's the aggressor? Who are the nice guys? It's not the cops. There have been instances of the police firing pepper spray uh, at protesters. That's why we have these gas masks. We have seen it. We have heard it. We have smelled it. When we came upon the scene here a few minutes ago, the police were escorting a young white male out of the park. What we were just told was that the young man didn't do anything wrong, that, that anybody here saw, that the police just basically jumped on him and accosted him and tried to get him out of here. This whole area around the White House is something that has been progressively militarized. The more aggressive posture we saw by police last night, particularly park police and Secret Service, who held a very tight line. See how skeptical they are and questioning they are of aggressive police tactics to protect the White House. Uh, that's somehow bad, but it was all righteous and good at the Capitol. It's just they're not consistent, obviously. Okay. Right now, Kamala Harris should be fighting for her political life. I mean, she's on the ropes anyway, but this should be, I think, the number one story in the country. But it's Kamala. Democrats still kind of like her. But this was this was absurd. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. It's ludicrous. It's offensive. But, you know, it was just kind of everyone moved on. This, take a look. Does it make you angry? It makes me pretty angry. All right. Uh, something else, they're trying to rehabilitate her, trying to tell everybody how much danger she was in on January 6th. They're omitting a big chunk of this story. And just revealed, Vice President Kamala Harris was at DNC headquarters that day when a pipe bomb was discovered outside. New questions about her safety. The White House official tells us the vice president was at the DNC headquarters when that pipe bomb, which we reported on at the time, was discovered. She was there until she was evacuated. Lester. Ooh, okay. This is about the 18th time NBC News has done this story. And they almost never mentioned that another bomb was found at the Republican National Committee. Okay? You know, the whole idea is, yes, it was right-wing people going after the left. No. Republican National Committee was targeted as well, and they don't report it. Why is that? Okay. Joe Biden, remember one of the promises was that he was going to restore our norms, right? Civility, empathy, all that stuff. What he did yesterday, no president has ever done. The way he attacked his predecessor, this is, this is in excess of what Trump did toward Obama. This is bad. For the first time in our history, a president had not just lost an election. He tried to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Defeated by a margin of over 7 million of your votes. We didn't see a former president who had just rallied the mob to attack, sitting in the private dining room off the Oval Office in the White House, watching it all on television and doing nothing. The former president of the United States of America 
has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle. His bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our constitution. He can't accept he lost. All right, that's really nasty stuff for a guy who said he was going to promote civility, empathy, return to our norms, all that I said. And by the way, no, there are severe and legitimate doubts about the election. We'll get to that uh, in the next block. Okay, but as crazy as that was, uh, even some in the fake news noticed it, uh, and they put the question Lester Holt did to Nancy Pelosi. The way he went out. Uh, Donald Trump, however, do you think that fuels the, the, the conversation among many Republicans that there's something political about the observances? Uh, Mitch McConnell today suggested that it's being used for political gain. Well, that's for him to say. The fact is there was an assault on our democracy instigated by the president of the, the then president of the United States, an incitement of an insurrection on the Capitol, and that's just something that much McConnell or anybody else cannot whitewash. Cannot whitewash, wow, right into those talking points. Can't whitewash, well, there is something you can whitewash apparently. It's watching all of the network evening programs last night, news programs, not one of them, not one of them mentioned anything about Ashley Babbitt. Talk about a whitewash, huh? No mention, young woman, unarmed, shot and killed by a Capitol police officer. No mention. They were trying to whitewash it. I'm not going to let them. I'm not going to forget. And someday, someday we'll have accountability. All right. Hey, you notice that for a long time, the only cops who seem to be working on January 6th were these four guys, <laughs> the fake news. Uh, these are the only guys they talked to. Well, I started pointing that out. I mean, where are all the other cops? By the way, they seem to really be enjoying their notoriety. But I, I said this, okay, look, there were 1,500 cops. Why just these four guys? They heard what I was talking about. So they made some other cops available to the fake news. It was the worst day in the history of the Capitol Police and one of the worst days in the history of our democracy. Who do you blame? Just stupidity. <laughs> I blame just, I mean, I had, I had no idea that there was an actual cult out there that was had tricked people into, I mean, I'd heard of it, but didn't know there was a, an actual cult. <laughs> All right, see, he's playing their game. He's taking the political uh, bait. That's Lieutenant Ted, seems like a nice guy, but he's being manipulated by the fake news, in my opinion. Um, worst day in history, worst day in history, that guy said, the reporter. He's forgetting about those two cops who were shot and killed, right? Uh, uh, this is crazy stuff. This is whitewashing, everybody. This is whitewashing. What else? What will you tell your grandchildren about that day? We won't. Um, not only did we push them out of the building and get the Capitol back, but the legislators 100% safe and were able to come back and do their jobs oh. later that night. So it's a point of pride. A point of pride and justifiably. A point of pride and justifiably. It was a horrendous law enforcement failure. Why do these guys, I'm sorry, kiss their butt so much? What are they intimidated by? 
I don't understand. But let's be real here. That was a failure. I don't care what Lieutenant Ted has been told to say by his boss. The Horns guy making it to the Senate floor, that wasn't a victory, okay? That was a huge systemic failure by that department. Also, don't forget, I told you a moment ago about Ashley Babbitt and her killer, a guy by the name of Mike Bird, and these three cops right here who walk off for no reason, or were they ordered to do so? What was the reason? There they go, they disappear. We need to know what happens. I don't care what that guy tells his grandchildren someday, this was not a victory and not a point of pride. Got it? All right. And when we come back, we are going to have a full and fair and free discussion about what happened in Pennsylvania on election night in 2020. Be right back. Eric Bowling is back, and he's fighting big media, woke politics, and cancel culture. Every afternoon, Eric's new The Balance tells the truth and exposes the big lies. Watch Eric Bowling every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. When Joe Biden gets mad, he gets really, really wrong. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Defeated by a margin of over 7 million of your votes in a full and free and fair election. There is simply zero proof the election results are inaccurate. So nasty. Zero proof. There's proof all over the place. All over the place. All kinds of stories. You've seen them in Texas. A woman was arrested for widespread vote harvesting and fraud. In Arizona, we had people voting for people who had already died. In Wisconsin, uh, it looks like they may have corralled a bunch of people in a nursing home to vote in one way. There are stories like that all over the country, but there are also more systemic and I think more concerning matters like Pennsylvania, a great big lucrative state electorally, 20 votes, electoral votes. Joe Biden barely, quote unquote, won this state, less than 1%. Now, here's something that is pretty easy to understand, actually. According to the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, there are two ways to vote. You can vote in person or you can vote absentee with an excuse. Um, I'm on a business trip in London. I'm in the military. Here it is in writing. Okay, you need an excuse. That's in the Constitution. Now, they threw all that away. You could vote any way you wanted, but they never changed the Constitution. And you're supposed to. And changing the Constitution is involved. Take a look at all the things you got to do. You've got to uh, present it before uh, both houses, consecutive sessions. Uh, Oh, your idea must be published in at least two newspapers in every county. Proposals shall be submitted to the qualified electors of the state for a vote. So they skipped all of that stuff. That's really important. That was before the Supreme Court. Uh, They basically rendered it moot after January 6th. That should be addressed. This is serious stuff. You know, if we don't look at these questions and get them resolved, 
Who knows what they'll try in 2024 or even sooner? And it's okay to think about this stuff. And it's okay to talk about this stuff. I don't want anybody to riot. I don't want to see any violence. But we're allowed to think and we're allowed to speak. And I don't care what any cop in Washington, D.C., who has no business addressing these matters publicly in his role as a cop, I don't want I don't want to hear from him about what we should be thinking. They gave him a national platform to say disgusting things like this. I just have to hope that, you know, they're doing everything they can to see that the, the people in power get what they deserve. And if that means the former president? Absolutely. So I don't care who it means. You know, you've got to deal with this harshly and quickly in order for... Uh, in order to squash any thoughts of this happening again, which I guarantee you people are imagining this happening again. Right now. A cop wants to squash any thought. That's a disgusting thought right there. We can think whatever we want. And I'm going to be quite clear. I don't want a riot. I'm not thinking about a riot. But I am thinking about election integrity, real election integrity. And that, by the way, is Officer Hodges. Keep an eye on him. I think he's going to quit the department pretty soon. You'll find him on some network. He's the one who said his head was bashed in, his lip was ruptured. That's him nine days after. He looks fine, right? A cop telling you and me how to think. This is, this is the beginning of a police state. We can't let this happen. We'll be right back. With... Stu Schiller, by the way, remember him? The Marine who bravely spoke up after the entire command seemed to throw in the towel and quit Afghanistan. Be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax. And we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. Our horrible loss in Afghanistan, remember that? These shocking images, after all that time, all that money, all that blood America sacrificed to leave like this. It shocked Americans, but how about if you spend time in Afghanistan? How about if you spend time in the military? Uh, you may remember Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. He put out a most remarkable video calling out uh, leaders in the military, in the Pentagon. Where was their accountability? You know, people in the military get in trouble for all kinds of things. Losing a rifle, you could be sent to prison. But losing a war, you often get promoted. This video is really something else. And uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller is no longer in the Marine Corps. Uh, but he is with us right now on Newsmax. Uh, Colonel Scheller, welcome and congratulations. You have a book coming out in August. It's called Crisis of Command, How We Lost Trust and Confidence in America's Generals and Politicians. I look forward to reading that. I know, actually, and we haven't met before, but this was not about a book. I don't think you had that in mind when you sat down and made that video. But first, how you doing? It's great to see you. It's great to be on your show, Greg. I'm excited, excited to get to talk to your fan base. So thanks for having me on. You bet. So um, let's play a little bit of uh, that moment, if you don't mind. And, and before we actually press play, just tell us uh, your state of mind before you went in there and uh, you were going to kind of 
tell your story and tell it like it is, your opinion. What were you feeling at that moment? I've been thinking about this a lot. I've lived this for the last 17 years. It's very personal. I've spent a year in Afghanistan, done five deployments. I have a master's in military science. I specialized in foreign diplomacy. I watched this play out real time. I served in the unit that got attacked. That was my first unit. My best friend got hit with a suicide vest in Ramadi in 1-8. Spent a lot of time with him and Walter Reed, so they've come full circle. And as a regimental operations officer, I sent this unit out as much as a higher headquarters can train, man, and equip. I knew all the key leaders in that unit. And ultimately, I knew that no senior leaders were going to be held accountable. So this was something I thought about. It wasn't something that I just decided lightly. But as I watched Afghanistan unravel real time in the news, in the media, in social media, I grew more angry by the day. And ultimately, when that attack happened on August 26th, I decided that somebody needed to say something and a conversation needed to be had. And so I made that decision. Well, I'm glad personally that you did. And a lot of others are as well. Here is a portion of your announcement that was uh, seen around the world. Let's take a look. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying we messed this up. I'm not saying we've got to be in the in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? Can I tell you what impressed me the most? And I don't know if you know this, but I served in the Marine Corps. You don't strike me as um, a guy who was against the culture of the Marine Corps. You know, there are Marines like that who are always kind of going in their own direction. I think that you shocked a lot of people uh, because this was a departure from your previous behavior. Or am I wrong? Were you always kind of a little bit of an outlier and marching to your own uh, drum, so to speak? Everything I did was based on a love of the Marine Corps. I love the Marines. I love being a part of an organization that filled me with a higher purpose. I didn't make this decision lightly, like I already stated, but ultimately I felt like through breaking the rules and going outside of normal protocol, I was doing something that ultimately would benefit the junior service member, and that was what was most important to me. The reaction, you anticipated there would be a negative reaction from the higher-ups, and maybe it wasn't even a negative reaction. I mean, I could, I could understand them coming down on you. You knew that was going to happen. They had a role, you had a role, what happened and how do you feel about what they did? Everything I did was calculated. I thought after that first video that the clips you just picked played that a boss would put his arm around me and say, hey, Stu, we sympathize. You broke the rules. We're going to hold you accountable. But we understand what you're going through. Why don't you take some time off? We'll let an investigation take place and then we'll let the chips fall. That was the reaction I anticipated. But instead, I was fired immediately. Even then, I wasn't upset. I understood that it was coming. So I made a post that said, hey, they did exactly what I was expecting them to do. And I just want to say thank you. But then they just kind of continued to attack me. I had a previous boss that got on my public social media and said if I was honorable at all, I would resign. And there was just all these little pokes in the chest that I was starting to get the impression that the higher leadership might not care about me as much as I cared about the Marines and everything that I was doing. And so it just became this thing where I knew I could maybe get an NJP best case and limp towards retirement, but that just, I couldn't live my life like that. And I decided that the only way out was all the way through. The message was what was most important. And so just like when you're in a fight, if somebody starts pushing you and you're 
standing there thinking what you did was right and you're protecting people, you push back. And so it became this series of escalating events that ultimately culminated with me in jail. Exactly. And the jail part, I was shocked by um, because, you know, you weren't caught drunk. You weren't caught. I mean, how did they justify putting you in the brig? In their defense, there was a gag order in place that said I was not allowed to communicate or post on social media. And I made a post that had things in there that were hard to hear, but were all very true. And I said in the post, I'm ready to go to jail. But I, when I made that post, had read the manual for court marshals and the UCMJ, and I knew that there was things that had to be in place for them to justify it. One of those was that I had to be a flight risk. And I literally showed up at 08 that Monday morning, and they sent me to jail. And by the way they justified it was saying that I was a flight risk, which is just blatantly false. I answered every text. I answered every phone call. I showed up to work every day. And so they ultimately said I was a flight risk to confine me. When we say they, how far do you think this is going up the chain of command? I mean, the commandant of the Marine Corps, the secretary of defense, the White House, or I have a feeling that Washington, D.C. may have been leaning into this. But you, you tell me, who was making these calls? I know for a fact General Alfred, the two-star, was really pulling the strings. But who he was talking to, I can only speculate. I, I have no idea. So you make the statement. You said what we believe needed to be said. What was the impact? I mean, you, you demanded accountability. As you know, I don't think anyone's been fired. Uh, everyone seems to still have their job at the strategic level. So as much as I admire what you did, what was the impact? What, what happened? Or will we someday see a benefit from what you did? What are your thoughts? Fight's just beginning. I mean, I just got out. I just got off the gag order. There's only so much that I could do in the military. I'm just starting the media rounds, but I have plans. I'm not going to quit. We're going to bring accountability to the system. What I've been shocked by is the amount of people that believe that you can't change the system, that that's just the way it is. We have had operational and strategic failures since Vietnam. General officers are not being held accountable. We've won every tactical battle over the last 20 years, and we're still losing wars. There's obvious problems that need to be fixed. And so for us just to relegate ourselves to this is the way it is, that's just not how I'm built. And I have the opportunity now with some of the platforms and resources that I have to make change. And I plan on doing that. The letter that you submitted, I believe, requesting a separation. Let's go ahead and put it up. I thought this was this was something else. And I actually got a huge kick out of it. My reason for submitting a letter of resignation, a lack of trust and confidence in your ability to lead. Uh, sometimes when a commander is relieved, you know that they have lost faith and confidence in the individual. You lost faith and confidence in management. Um, that had a nice touch to it. I, I don't know if you were smiling when you wrote that, but uh, that was something else. If you actually go back and look at that letter, my, the last part of my signature, I put it through the paper. That was unintentional, but I, I mean, I, I signed it very angrily because of the emotion that was there. And I put it there just like we were talking about in the video. I talk about how an 05 commander can be relieved for the simplest things. And it's just like you said, Greg, a lack of trust and confidence is the cliche that they use without any details to the public about why they're firing these people. And just enough's enough. There's an obvious double standard of accountability, a two tiered system that needs to be addressed. And I think we all agree it. We all see it the same way. It's just I'm the only one talking right now. But I, I think over time, as we continue to have this conversation and people start to come to my side, that we will be able to affect change. 
To be continued, sir, please come back. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, former Marine, uh, the book, we look forward to it. It's called Crisis of Command, How We Lost Trust and Confidence in America's Generals and Politicians, coming this summer. Uh, to be continued again, thank you, sir. All the best. Thank you, Greg. We'll be right back. You know, given the state of our um, media and, uh, and Joe Biden's uh, penchant to never bring it up, it's very easy to forget that we lost a war just a few months ago in Afghanistan. And not only did we lose the war, on the way out, we lost 13 lives. Marines, a sailor, one of them was 20-year-old Kareem Nakui. Lance Corporal, United States Marine Corps. I remember this picture so well. He was one of the first identified after what we were told is a bomb blast. More on that in a moment. Um, But this was devastating news, and it's incredible how quickly everyone has moved on. The family of Kareem Nakui, of course, um, is not moving on, and I so respect that. We are joined now by Shauna Chappell, Kareem Nakui's mother, and Shalene, his sister, welcome to you both. And Shauna, particularly to you, I've been following you on social media and you are, you are a warrior and I think your son would be proud. How are you this evening? And thank you for being with us, both of you. Oh, thank you for having us. Um, I, I'm good this evening. I have my, my bad days, my good days. Sure, sure. Um, look, I heard that you have some news to possibly share about your son's death. Uh, You've been pressing for more information. I'm told that you may have gotten that information, at least some of it. Can you tell us what's happening, please? Um, Actually, yeah, uh, his dad is pressing for the information. Um, uh, His dad isn't here this evening. Um, He was supposed to be here so he could talk more about it. Um, I didn't want to talk about it without him because he's the one that has that information. Um, we just actually just received, uh, Kareem's autopsy. Um, I haven't been able to completely read it yet, um, because it was too hard. Just the first page of it was too hard. So I, I stopped reading it, but, um, yeah, we want accountability for what happened to all 13 of the kids. Um, but that one issue is an issue for his dad to talk about. Um, he's the one who has uh, the evidence, not me. Okay, uh, fair enough. We'll, uh, that's to be continued. You were very active, both of you. Uh, I, well, Shauna, you I know of on social media. And before we talk about what happened and, and Joe Biden's reaction and how this was handled, Shalene, if you don't mind, can you just tell us a little bit about your brother? Obviously, I never met him. Or I'm sorry, maybe he's your big brother. He's 20. I'm not going to ask you your age, but that picture is something else. The charisma, you can, you can see it from here. Uh, tell us a bit about, about your brother, if you don't mind. Can you hear me? She's, she's emotional. Oh. She's getting emotional. I'm sorry. He, he knew how to live, and he was always happy. You've never seen Kareem without a smile on his face. He smiled about everything. Mrs. And, Chappelle, uh, family, very important to him. He was very close to his family, very close to his family. Now, listen, we all know 
that the withdrawal from Afghanistan was totally botched. Joe Biden yes. said that no one could anticipate uh, the difficulty. I'd like to play a little sequence from uh, uh, several months ago, if you don't mind. Take a look, please. The idea that the Taliban would take over was premised on the notion that the uh, somehow the 300,000 troops we had trained and equipped was going to just collapse. They were going to give up. I don't think anybody anticipated that. The consensus was that it was highly unlikely that in 11 days they'd collapse and fall and the leader of Afghanistan would flee the country. He got things spectacularly wrong, obviously now, and um, everyone has just moved on. I am gonna take a step back though and ask you this. You said accountability. What do you mean by that? What would you like, what does that mean, your definition of accountability in this scenario? Um, I, I try to watch what I say, but I think I honestly, and it's not because I'm a political person. I'm not political. I just knew that, um, people assumed I was political because of who I voted for and, and how I spoke before the, um, presidential, presidential election. And I wasn't political. I just knew, um, the direction our country would go if Joe Biden got in there. And he did, and it went the exact direction I thought. I was even actually worried about um, my son. When he, when Kareem first joined the Marines, I wasn't nervous at all. Um, I, I knew he was safe. I knew he'd stay safe. But then as the election approached and the scandemic started, I started getting concerned about um, Biden getting in there as president, and he did. And then I became concerned for my son, his safety. And I had even made a post about six days before my... Um, son was killed that I was concerned about his safety. I was worried about him. Um, I was afraid that Biden's decisions, his actions were going to get my son either hurt or killed. And he did. He, I, I just believe that whole administration, even the military advisors, I think they need to be held accountable for what happened in Kabul. It, it, that was a disaster. I don't even know how they could call that successful in any way. It was a complete disaster. You know, when you join the Marine Corps, let's face it, there's risk involved. You know, you don't know what's yes. going to happen. But in this case, you know, a second grader could figure it out that it was handled so wildly wrong that I understand this, the search for accountability. I really do. This should not have happened. And I think we can tie it directly to these decisions. Were you there when during the dignified transfer, when the the caskets were uh, withdrawn from the I, airplane. And, yeah. and, and did you, Joe Biden famously now checked his watch several times. He did. Did you, you saw that firsthand and what happened? Did you encounter Joe Biden? I think you, uh, you did actually. Yeah, I did. I got to meet with him um, face to face. Um, when I met with him face to face at that time, I was still kind of in shock about what happened to Kareem, but um, I did get to talk to him face to face. Um, I tried to be respectful for Kareem. I had let him know that I didn't want to talk to him. And he said, oh, okay. But I told him I was going to anyways out of respect for my son. Um, and I, I tried to be respectful. He didn't seem like he really actually even cared at all. Um, I was speaking to him and then about how I was never going to get to hug my son again or hear his laugh. And he went on to start telling me about his child that he had lost, his son that he had lost. And um, I let him know that this wasn't about him. Um, this was about my son. 
And then he said something along the line of, I just wanted to let you know, I know how you feel. And I told him, you don't know how I feel. So don't tell me, you know, how I feel. And the reason I had said that wasn't trying to say, oh, you didn't feel anything when your child died. Mm. I was trying when I said, you don't know how I feel. It's, I had a lot of rage and it was mm. toward him. Cause I feel like he is responsible for why my son is dead. Yes. I, uh, I, I'm not surprised by his reaction. I, uh, I'm so sorry you went through this. Let's continue the conversation. I know he was a great Marine. And I'd like to take a look at his picture again. Kareem Nakui, Lance Corporal, just 20 years old. Shana, let's, uh, let's have a talk after you uh, find out everything from your husband. And Shalene, thank you for being with us. I understand, uh, well, I don't, but well, I know it's tough. I appreciate you coming on. We will, uh, we'll be right back. Whatever happened to free speech? Now, Newsmax looks at big tech's war on your most basic freedoms. The radical left and woke culture want to cancel you and the Constitution. Only you can stop them. Watch Censored, Losing Our First Freedoms. President Donald Trump built America's greatest economy, stamped out ISIS, and created a vaccine in record time, saving millions of lives. But the swamp fought him every step of the way. The Russia hoax, phony impeachment, and now politically motivated business investigations. Anything to stop him. Help President Trump fight back. Our future is at stake. Join us, and together we will make America great again. Save America is responsible for the content of this message. A must in your medicine cabinet. Less sick things. Cold coming on? Zycam is the number one cold shortening brand. Highly recommended. Zycam's love Zycam's unique zinc formula. It shortens colds. Zycam zinc that cold. Thank you so much, okay? We're in this together. I mean that. See you Monday.